going. If you could go travel anywhere in the world right now, where would it be? That is a good question. And I feel like a trick question because of where we are at the moment. But I'll I'll say where we are because that sounds like a good answer. And uh, we are in Cartagena, Colombia. Yes. Uh, South America. This is my first time being in a new continent, actually. <laughs> uh, I've only ever been in... Well, I went to... We went to Mexico twice. And then Cartagena, since that's just... That's in South America, obviously. So, first time being in a completely new continent. But it doesn't really feel much more different than Mexico. Only everything is insanely cheaper. <laughs> like, imagine everything in the United States, but divided by five. And that's that's it. So... Yeah, it's pretty close. Uh, um, McDonald's going to cost you 10 bucks. It costs $2 here. Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty insane. Um, oh, for the, for the listener, yeah. So we, at the end of the year, we had some um, money to spend. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but we also have an employee, or not an employee. Team member. Team member. Team member. Lisa, as you're aware, who lives in Cartagena. Well, no, she lives in Bogota right now for uh, school, but she's from the Cartagena, Colombia area, which is a coastal city in Colombia. Um, and we actually brought her to Iowa City uh, in October, last October, to spend it with her birth, uh, at her birthday there uh, with her brother. We talked about it on the previous episode, um, but also just kind of bringing her up to speed on kind of what it would be like to be full-time now that she's graduating uh, with her bachelor's. Um, but I, Cody and I went back and forth on bringing her here or going to Columbia to see her. And um, one of the reasons why we wanted to go to Columbia was more for like a selfish reason of kind of like a vacation. Uh, that was That was my reasoning. It was ultimately cheaper to bring her to Iowa, which is what we did. But I, at, at the end of the day, I convinced you to go to Columbia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we negotiated, right? I mean, the, the big thing was we wanted to talk to Lisa in person to explain uh, the position of business, what a future would look like, all those sorts of things. And we wanted to do that sooner than later. And uh, I also didn't have a big enough time window for us to come down here. So right now I'm, I'm between semesters with school. So um, it was cheaper. We saved money. We had the talk. We were able to in Iowa, negotiated, and then we came down here. And that's where we are in January. And it's great because Iowa sucks right now. Jake's further up north, which means it's worse. And, uh, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. What, what's been your favorite moment in Columbia since being here? We've been here since Saturday, and it's what today? Wednesday? We leave on Friday. So we've been here, what, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, five days. Mm-hmm. What's been your favorite moment being here? I don't know if I have a single favorite, but going out to eat and just spending time with good people. Um, so Lisette's brother, who I'm, uh, I'm good friends with, we're in the same uh, Japanese program at school. So he was here for a little bit. Got to hang out with him. Also, our, our contact. Um, I suppose our account manager at OnTop, who handles the payment logistics you know, and uh, contract logistics of keeping our business legit internationally. Um, he's here, and then we were able to meet uh, Lara, who's also at OnTop, too, um, and just more of the OnTop team. They're great. That's a lot of fun. We've talked a little bit about OnTop before. Uh, do you want to explain a little bit about like what 
on top actually does for us. Yeah, um, and it's kind of weird to say it because I think that their their value proposition or their ideal pitch is different even from what we've seen or found. But um, once we found out that we had a good prospect outside of the U.S., we had to figure out legally how to pay them and work with them. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. I guess it's it's pay and and work with legally. Those are the two biggest things. Um, and fortunately, we said knew Diego. She did all the research for us. Actually, um, we reached out to her lawyer. We talked to him about it. He gave feedback. Um, and we were considering. I was considering paying her in Bitcoin or like <laughs> some other crypto because I had no idea how to pay someone overseas. I mean, obviously, you can do like you know bank transfer, but then you have the bank transfer fee, and then you've got the conversion, the currency conversion fee. Yep. Then she's got taxes to worry about, and then we've got to figure out the whole tax logistics. And so, like, I was just going to be like, well, we could just do, like, a USD coin or something like that. Yep. And um, uh, the other way was, like, literally just pay her, like, via an app and then just be like, figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess technically having somebody help facilitate this isn't necessary. Um, if these people are independent contractors, they are freelancing their services, you're paying them however you want to pay them and then whatever legal agreements you choose to go into with them regardless of where they are um you can do all that but ultimately with how much on top costs us to give us the peace of mind and knowing that it's all just taken care of so they handle payments uh we pay them and then they, they're basically a middleman um but they, they do more than that too because they offer some expertise in the markets that we're paying into with just knowledge and stuff that we don't know about. Um, there are things that we've learned about um, Colombia and how people who are in Colombia like to be paid uh, that we just, we didn't know. Um, we didn't know what was ideal, what was best for them. We were just operating from uh, we have to pay them and that's it. But there is more to it and they offer that expertise as well. Um, and there's, they are also the legal shield. Right. There's a few different ways that you can do it. I don't want to go fully into it, um, but in the simplest way as I say it is just that they'll be in the middle to act as a legal buffer. So you work with them, they work with your contractor, and then um, if there's issues, you'll work it out with on top on both sides. I want to comment on how weird this podcast setup is today. <laughs> like, I, I am so out of my element right now. It's just, it's crazy. So usually Cody and I are like in our own offices and we're just talking to each other. And But now like, I don't know whether I look at the camera or I look at you, but we're so like weirdly close to each other. It feels like, it feels like we're lovers and like, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about it. Um, but it, if we ever post these, these videos, um, you'll see that like, we're we're re literally recording on a phone that's like that's our audio device and then i have like i brought my laptop and webcam just to record the video and then we'll just match it up together and we'll see what happens we tested other things too though and it actually turned out yeah. this was going to be one of the easiest I brought, things like my sure microphone that i usually use and it uh, just i don't know the sound was just weird um we found this via nobody here speaks english so that here's the one thing about mexico is that like like eight out of ten people will speak english mm -hmm. you come to colombia you're lucky if you find one out of ten people that speaks english yep um so fortunately, I have been learning quite a bit of Spanish, and it's helped us in a lot of situations. Uh, I'm surprised the last two months I've learned quite a, 
quite a bit, quite a bit. Um, I got to use one of my one up uh, uh, one today, which was uh, I just walked into a place uh, and I said uh, una mesa para cinco personas, uh, which just means a uh, table for five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's been really um, fulfilling to be able to communicate to an extent. However, um, trying to find like a place to record that was in our hotel room where the girls are uh, was a little difficult. So we came down to the front lobby and uh, couldn't find a place. Cody did some exploring. We found this little like staircase that came up to this private like conference room. Basically, it says VIP. Yeah, so. sala. S-A-L-A-V-I-P. I don't know what Let, that means. Let's give them a shout out just in case anybody actually ends up here because they have been pretty great as yes. far as the hotel uh, goes. Hotel, hotel Regatta Cartagena. Cartagena. Yep. Regatta nice. Cartagena. Uh, it's, it's been a pretty decent hotel thus far. I mean, no, no complaints other than it's a cheap hotel. Um, and uh, But, yeah, they. I just plugged into my Google Translator app and I was like, hey, can we use this room for an hour? And, uh, yeah, they were super open to it. It's also 11 o'clock at night, so I mean, no one else is using it. <laughs> uh, um, but for those of you who can't see, uh, I made Cody wear a Hawaiian shirt for this for the recording. Yep. Um, and uh, he was very reluctant to do so. So uh, just like being able to uh, pay Lisette and, and uh, force Lisette to, or Cody to um, consider having Lisa work for us, I am also forcing Cody <laughs> to wear a Hawaiian print shirt while in Colombia. Um, but there's been a lot of negative stigmas with Colombia that I've heard. The yeah. drugs, the gangs, all that stuff. And we haven't run across any of that. It really just feels like Mexico. I, I think the weird thing, I guess, has been that people have been... I've, I guess I should say, I've come in with zero. I, I had all that I've thought about is how I've spent two and a half years at this point learning Japanese and then we end up in a Spanish speaking country which I remember zero from high school and it's been super enlightening uh, because you kind of realize what it's like to, to know zero um, in a country that operates with a different language um, but so I think you were going somewhere and I totally went off a little um, was I, I was just commenting on how weird this whole pod, like how out of element I am. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it, out of that element. Um, and I, I don't even know if I would... We've had a good time, but only because we have people with us that can make our lives easier. This that's would true. be really hard to do uh, if we didn't have that. That's true. I was commenting on that with um, Lauren. I was saying it's this, has been, this experience has been better than Mexico because... We have Lisette, we have Diego, we have Javier, we have, well, that's it. But uh, Laura, we're giving her a shout out. Laura, well, and, and her boyfriend, Pablo. Yep. Um, but they've been excellent hosts. They've, they've shown us the ropes of Colombia, where to go. and, and um, Oh, yes. So, sorry. Uh, Colombian reputation. Uh, oh. That's where I want to go a little bit because I, I do nothing. Um, I, I think if you talk to people in the States in general, if they come up with anything, it's going to be Pablo Escobar and cocaine. Right, so and I guess that that isn't a good image. I understand that, um, but it was also you know a while ago at this point. So um, uh, when I mentioned it to like my mom, you know, of course she's like, "Be safe." And if you get to if you talk to people who are you know over fifty five, maybe they might have a different image. But uh, everything has been cool. 
Yeah, it's been <laughs> great. And people who like don't understand you very well, but you make an effort to try to speak Spanish just a little bit. Like even if you just say like you know disculpe, por favor, which just means like excuse me, uh, please. Um, they like are really welcoming with it. On like, hey, thank you for learning. You know, trying and like it just all met with smiles. But speaking of Pablo Escobar, we had a really unique experience related to Pablo Escobar. We did here. Uh, I posted it on my social. I don't know if you shared it, but I tagged you. Yep. Um, Lisette took us uh, uh, snorkeling uh, on on uh, and, and we call it her we call it her island because that's what she calls it. But it's her island. She. She doesn't actually own it. She does. <laughs> uh, so we, we went to like a coral reef. We, um, we snorkeled with the coral uh, there. got to look at it. Um, and then we went to a second coral location. So crazy thing. We rented a boat. Uh, just two guys on a boat, like a motorboat. And then, you know... Uh, us four and they took us everywhere we wanted to go for an entire day literally from 10 a.m to like 5 p.m and it cost us what 400 bucks yeah i think so yeah so split between four people that's like nothing um and uh so they took us to one uh snorkeling location then we went to the second snorkeling location okay this is wild so the second snorkeling location snorkeling location first of all all this all those all the um water is like clear blue yeah it's like like turquoise almost um the second location was super eerie so we we pull into like this bay area of like a villa turns out it's pablo escobar's villa like one of them and uh, the whole point of snorkeling in this area is you can't see, you can't, you can kind of see the bottom of it. Like it's just sand. There really isn't much to see, except for the big ass airplane at the bottom of the bay. <laughs> like there's just a sunken airplane sticking out of the bottom of the, the the water about 20 meters down, and there's no way that there, there's no way you can you can stick your face under that water. And not think one of two things. Either one, holy shit, this is scary and eerie, or I'm going to touch that. <laughs> Wait, I don't... It was, wasn't 20 meters. What was it? It was probably... It was 20, it's, so, the cockpit is 21 meters down. No way. Yeah, that's what Lisa said. That's what Lisa said. Yeah. She said the cockpit is 21 meters. No. So, yeah, 20 meters. That seems, that seems far. Because that would have been 60 feet. Maybe I'm wrong. 21 feet. It was, it was definitely, like, 20 feet to... Maybe like a part of the wing. It was it was a ways down there because I, yeah, I know because I, I used to be a lifeguard. I, I like swimming, um, but I pretty much cap out at like fifteen feet. My ears are like, hey, stop! Don't, don't do this! <laughs> don't go any further! Um, and but I'll just keep going because you were telling the story. Okay, so it was pretty deep. However, the wing kind of stuck. One of the wings stuck out into the the water, um, and that wing was probably about the tip of it was like fifteen feet down. Um, like un- underneath the surface, um, and then the other wing I think was like buried in the actual ground. Um, so I had a GoPro. Uh, I, I, I bought a GoPro specifically for this trip, and uh, I was like, "I'm gonna go touch it." So uh, we did. We we dove down. We swam down. And we touched it. The problem is like it felt like my my head was gonna explode <laughs> because like it was so deep for me to be diving down there. And I don't I don't do any diving at all. Um, and Cody went down and touched it too. 
Um, but this thing looked like one of the, at least I described it as like in Super Mario, that Kraken that comes out of the water um, in those levels. Like that, I, it was like really scary because I thought that was going to happen. But um, Cody and I thought we could do something really wholesome and dive down together at the same time and touch the wing together. Uh, and we did. And it just, it sounds really weird when I describe it. But um, we said, recorded it doing that and um we got this really sick picture of us touching the wing of pablo escobar's plane at the bottom of his bay in his villa at the same time yep. and it was sick i also learned that you were you're a fish <laughs> because you can hold your breath for not only I, I came up i surfaced and i was out of breath i was gassed <laughs> i thought i was gonna die on the way up and cody comes up he's like yeah that was awesome <laughs> well to, to be fair you started a little further away so i, I kept saying like hey let's scoot up a little bit because then if we I, I see you like dive down and forward at the same time, but if we could just go straight down, then it also hurts your head, but I think a little bit more to do it that way. So maybe not the best in that regard, but I didn't think about it that way. I just, I was like, I'm going to go touch it. <laughs> but no, it was, it was a very cool and bizarre experience. I think I wasn't thinking about it at the time, how cool it was uh, until afterwards. And I was talking to Jenny and she was like, that was really cool. Like, that's a really cool thing that you did. But also when we were coming in it just felt so it felt like a movie we come into the like the cove and there's probably four or five other boats some are yachts i think yeah and there's you know beautiful women very muscly uh intimidating men it almost looks like the opening scene like the opening 10 minute scene of a bond or fast and furious film and I just kept thinking, this is very cool, but I don't know how I fit in here other than the uh, nerdy business guy <laughs> in the bow somewhere or something. I don't know. It was great, though. It was very cool. So uh, all of this 18-minute opening was really just to explain that, like, hey, we're in Colombia. We're celebrating what we did this year by taking a, a, a an essentially expense-paid trip to Colombia. And... Um, having fun at basically at the expense of Evergrow. Um, so we thought it would be a good idea. Travel Club BA does this, where they kind of go over, they do a, like a yearly recap of how they did in business. Um, and I thought we could do the same thing, but be a little bit more transparent than them, even so, because they're just kind of percentages. Like we increase this, we decrease this by percentages. Um, but I thought it'd be kind of cool to actually give you dollar numbers um, of like how ever grow like the size of us now um, and you know maybe you don't think we're as big as we are maybe you think we're bigger than we are you probably think we're not as big as you thought we are because we're really not that big we're not no yeah and I guess there's probably we'll go over three of the big ones which are uh total income uh then gross profit and then we'll talk net profit and I thought right it's good to share all of them so you get a, a better idea and a better picture um because they mean different things, but we'd like to also talk through what they mean um, to us in business and, and why they changed in the ways that they did. So I was, I was just going to talk about revenue, but then uh, I realized that we had an episode about how revenue is a fake vanity metric. <laughs> right. And then I was like, well, I guess we have to get a little more granular now. So, okay. Do you want to, do you want me to read the numbers or do you want to read them? How, did, how would you like to, what do you think is the best way to uh, talk you're to the them? You're the numbers guy. I'll let you do it. Okay. Okay. So first, uh, let's, we'll do percentages and then numbers. So let's talk about total income. Year over year, we grew 31.76% total income, 
dollar amounts, it was about $56,000. Uh, and so in total, it was about two hundred. Thirty thousand. We we were aiming for two fifty. Um, we came a little bit short of that, which is a little bit of a bummer. But um, you know, thirty percent as a total, I guess it's cool to see too. So um, that's that. So that's our revenue. That's our fake vanity metric right there. Yeah. That's 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 the number that includes the ad spend that we charge our clients. Uh, and then we just spend right away. So our cost of goods sold. It also includes our profit margin and then and everything else before, uh, like our expenses are, are paid for. Yep. So we've talked about that before, how we do, we charge clients ad spend and then we spend it for them. Um, and that does, honestly, it represents a decent chunk of why that grew because we focused more on ad spend this year compared to last year. Um, so that... That was a big contributor as for why it grew that way. But the other numbers still do show our growth, just not as big because that was a big contributor. Probably the single biggest contributor to um, the growth in total income. Well, this was, this was the first year that we made people go from... Well, not we didn't make people, but um, this is the first year that we... Well, yeah, we forced new people on to go to 250 in ad spend versus $100 in ad spend. So uh, previously, our foundation package was uh, a $500 management with $100 uh, ad spend, and then we upped the ad spend to 250 um, for a couple of reasons. One is because um, even at uh, $3 cost per click, which is pretty low, um, and a $50 average cost per acquisition, our clients only getting two leads at 100 bucks a month. Uh, well, we wanted to make sure that they received adequate amount of leads for what they were paying. So at least four um, or five at 250 was more adequate. But also um, Google Ads cost per clicks just go up year over year. So yeah. um, requiring the higher ad spend really attributed to a lot of our growth in total income. Um, but also, for some reason, I don't know why, but like clients with a lot more money came to us this year. Where like pre in previous years, it was like, yeah. um, you know, we would get a lot of like one hundred, four hundred thousand dollar revenue clients, and then this year for some reason it was like a lot of the five hundred thousand to like one point two million clients, and I don't know why. Like we didn't change our marketing. In fact, we didn't have any marketing, so it's not like we did anything different. Yeah, I'm not sure why. Uh, it's cool. I mean, it's cool getting bigger accounts um, as long as you know. It, it's it's weird because. The money itself doesn't necessarily mean anything about the positioning of the business or where they see themselves, but uh, it does raise the floor. So when we're able to go from that 600 base to 750 base, when you include our management fee, um, it does change expectations too. So it has been nice. Yeah. But Okay. So the second one is the stock gross profit. Uh, we grew 19.46% um, increase in gross profit. In dollar amount, it was 27000 so just under thirty, And so for the total amount being about $140,000. Yeah, in growth. Yep, in growth. So that's literally like straight. If we had no expenses, nothing, that would just go to our pocket. Yep. Um, that includes uh, payroll for uh, EVA and then um, also what we pay on top for Lisette. Um so if you want to think about it, two part-time people on quote unquote payroll, um, plus 
things like uh, website um, hosting and our emails, our HubSpot CRM. Wait, 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 wait. Did you say it includes that it includes wages and labor? Because that doesn't come down until net profit. So gross profit excludes those things because that's why we're actually lower uh, in net profit. Correct. Okay. So then explain the difference then. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. Bring it back. Um, gross profit is before our expenses. I mean, that's the best way to say it. Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why my brain short circuited. <laughs> um, but so yeah, actually I want to talk about that the most. So, so 140,000 is yeah. Okay. If you, if you just like literally remove the ad spend from our income, yep. that's Basically. gross profit. Yep. And uh, it's cool. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'll ask you, Jake, how do you feel about it? If I say we made $140,000 gross profit, what are your feelings? And then what were your feelings if you heard that five years ago, that you were going to be in a business that did that? How do you feel about it now? How do you how do you expect to feel about it in the future? Because I think about the people who will be listening to this and how they might feel about hearing that. Because if I pushed myself back you know, five years ago and I heard that, um, I'd be more impressed <laughs> than, than now because it just doesn't feel uh, that cool now that we see everything that's needed to run things to get to get to that point. Ask me the first question. Um, if I told you five years ago mm-hmm. that you're going to have a business that made $140,000 gross profit in a year, how would you feel? I mean, I'd feel good. I wasn't making that at all. But I, I mean, I don't know what the expenses are. You know what? Oh, I guess gross profit. But what am I taking home at the end of the day? It's feel cool. It feel cool. It feel cool. I'll be, I'll be cool with it. Yeah. What's the next one? How do you feel about it now? I hate it. <laughs> I, it's. I have such higher like I don't. Okay, I don't have higher profit goals than Cody or higher revenue goals. I have higher like expectations. For where the revenue and gross profit should be at, like right now, and um, I, I I wanted to be at I actually wanted to be at two hundred fifty thousand in gross profit this year. Yeah, uh, at the beginning of this year, uh, we didn't even make that in revenue, and a lot of that was because we slowed down to really focus on processes and train new employees. Um, and I think we've really positioned ourselves to do something like that next year, or I guess this year now that it's January. Um, but it it it's but this has this has put a lot of, into perspective for me though, because this on paper this doesn't look like a lot. There's companies that are doing ten times as much as us, and um, you know they've been around just as long as we have. But it, you know we've been fully transparent about how we've grown, ever grow with just us two and having no like corporate managerial experience or really adequate degrees. I don't even have a degree. Cody's got a shitty one. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's communications. Yep. Um, I'm a communicator. Yeah. So it means nothing. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, but having said that, like you look at where we're at and, um, I just bought a house, uh, this year. Um, Cody, you're in your third year of Japan or Japanese class. You're, yes. you're, you're paying for your own college out of your own pocket. Yep. Uh, we're good. in Colombia on a business trip. That's essentially all expenses paid. I mean, yeah, it's coming out of our pocket technically, but it's the Evergrow pocket book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it paid for our 
our significant others to come as well. And then everything that we do here is still technically paid by Evergrow because we're getting paid by Evergrow, in which case we're, I guess, it's different for me because I also have another job. Okay, so I'm not going to ask how you feel in the future because I think you'll, I think I know what you'll say. So, but, but I want you, just because I want to talk about it, um, because I think people will eventually get to this point, ask me how I feel about our gross profit this year. How do you feel about your, our gross profit this year? That's a great question, Jake. I'm glad you asked. I, I think, <laughs> I think... I see two steps. I see the first step for people who are doing this. Getting to 10K monthly recurring is a impressive and difficult thing. And I'll leave it at that. It's impressive and it's difficult. But also, once you get there, you realize that getting to 10K a month is honestly not that hard. And it's also not the hard part of what's coming next. Because... If you can get to 10K monthly, that's a decent job. You've got a $120,000 job. You can replace your job with that if you feel good about it. There are jobs that pay better than that. There are jobs that pay worse than that. Um, but usually at that point, what you have done most likely is replace your job with another job. To get from there to the next point, basically add a zero to it, right? Go from 10K to 100 a month, which is our you know next goal and what we're aiming for. You realize... That's where the systems, the processes, and the real work. <laughs> yeah, one k to ten k is nothing. That that's a right. year. That's a that's that's working for a year. Yeah, it can be going from ten k to a hundred k is a whole another step. And because it's not about you anymore, right? Yeah. So, and that's what we really focus on this year is we hit that ten k mark actually last year, mm-hmm. uh, twenty twenty one. That's a reoccurring revenue. Uh, so, a question for you: Do you think that a lot of agencies count their ten k reoccurring? as like actual MRR or do you think they count 10k as soon as they hit 10k in like gross profit whether it's MRR or not I hope not I hope it's not the latter (laughs) because I hope nobody's also we I think we've said it before we base payroll and our our labor estimates internally primarily on monthly recurring because we don't want to get into the trap or the position of we don't have money to pay people because we were relying on one-off jobs. Incoming sales. Yep. I, I, I don't ever want it to sell anything. I want it to just be like, you know, reoccurring revenue, which is what MRR is, monthly reoccurring revenue, except I've, I've kind of changed that. I've, I've made a switch using, I don't want to use MRR. I want to yeah, use yeah, yeah. MRGP. That sounds uh, better. Monthly revenue, gross profit, or monthly reoccurring gross profit. Yep. Because um, we use the profit first system, which... Um, just allows us to allocate percentages of money towards different accounts. And when you base it off of MRGP, you always know how much money you're going to have at at a baseline coming in. So typically we have, um, it it hovers between like eight and 10 K a month uh, in MRGP, but we also have onboarding clients and other one-off like website jobs that we do, which um, peaks to like 30 K on some months so it just like it it's super variable but we can always bank on 8 to 10k coming in every single month and that's what we base our expenses on um so at the end of the year when we have a bunch of money left over on capital expenses because we based everything off of that 8 to 10k coming in um as because we do 10 percent of um we only allow ourselves to have 10 percent of capital expenses um so if we have 
uh, 10% of MRGP, which is AK, we have $800 to $1,000 a month to allocate towards capital expenses. But if we have a $30,000 a month, because we had website builds come in as well, um, you know, some websites close out, some get started, they overlap. We've got a ton of revenue, there's late payments that come in. Um, and suddenly we've got $3,000 in the capital expense account. Um, and we only spend what our MRGP requires. Now we've got an excess of $2,000. Well, that happens month over month. And eventually we get to the end of the year, we've got to do one of two things. We've either got to spend it or we have to uh, divvy it out in owner withdrawals to make sure that we can lessen the tax burden or the tax blow when the government says, hey, you made this money, even though it's not in our personal accounts um, because we're an LLC. Yeah, so that's that's a good. Let's talk about that briefly, and then we'll get to the last point about net profit. Because so we we are an LLC, and we have not yet elected to S corp. As I say these numbers, I'm sure some accountants are like, "What are you doing? Why why have you not done that yet?" When you're we've got that much money, because they'll say you're you're paying more in taxes than you need to be paying, which is true. Um, but also, there's things that become less flexible when you elect to S-Corp for tax purposes um, and and don't let you as easily move money around in the business. So as Jake said, we have accounts split. You know, we've got internal marketing. We have um, capital expenses. We have payroll, all these things. And they get allocated a percentage of our gross profit. Um, and that's where we put that money to. So it's not this uh, originally um, before... Jake brought this idea up. It was a little bit of a hot mess of we take the money in. We were mostly sticking to, I guess, the the 10% capital expenses, but we weren't doing other accounts as well. Like there wasn't a specific amount of savings and that sort of thing. Savings, marketing, payroll, whatever. So it's gotten a lot cleaner. Um, And But yeah, so when we do get to the end of the year, because it is all technically our money, because we haven't elected to S-Corp and it is just an LLC, um, that kind of makes our net profit funky because if it if the business is us and we're doing things and they are expenses, again, it's a gray area. We are in Cartagena. Did we come here for business? Yes. Are we having fun? 100%. It's great. Um, it would be dumb for us to not expense this. So I'll go straight into these numbers because I'll explain where things grew for us. So actually, net profit grew the least compared to total income and gross profit. We grew 12.82%. Um, it was about $13,000, and it pushed us up to um, 116000 So I wanted to call out specifically the things that increased majorly for us. There were some things that increased, some things that decreased, but the biggest movers and increases were wages and contract labor. Um, so that's effectively for us um, the same thing <laughs> because we consider Lisa part of the team, but she is not a employee. So in a legal sense, there are things that we also have to be conscious of, but she's a part of the team, we treat her like the team. And when we plan for it financially, it's we have to pay to get the jobs done internally. So that's the same. Um, and then the other two were software and travel. So increased wages. We made less money because we paid people more. <laughs> um, yep. What do you think? Anything else to add about that, about that at least? Uh, about net profit dropping. Well, that's when we that's when we really invested in HubSpot. 
uh, HubSpot it was yeah, our, software. Yeah, it's software. So like our biggest expense, one of those things Cody mentioned earlier, there, there's that level of moving from 10,000 to 100,000. And we had a long discussion about whether we keep HubSpot or not because it was such a hefty expense. Um, this month, it, it went from like, what, like 250 a month to like almost 700 a month now. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. It's a hefty price. And um, in the way that we set up capital expenses, technically, I should be saying, um, no, we need to get rid of HubSpot because it's exceeding 10% of our MRGP expenses. Um, but it does help me scale as a sales rep and then also um, just the capabilities it has with contracts and integration into ClickUp, which is our project management software. Um, it puts us in a position of, yeah, but we should have this because this is like that weird step to the next spot. Um, and we shouldn't experience that for a while, at least that, that weird, awkward spot. Um, yeah. So right now we're, we're making a temporary exception for HubSpot uh, beyond our 10% rule because we've basically said this is, we see it as a necessary step for growth. Um, and that's something that we talked through. Um, it was a, a conscious decision. It's not something that just crept up on us and we allowed it to happen um, because I know that can happen to other businesses too. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't let your expenses creep up without reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, software was a good one. We, we've spent more on tools across the board. We've made lots of internal changes to what we're paying for. We're still continuing to work on this, actually. So part of it, we saw this grow, and we're working to combat part of it, too. One of those being, uh, we've talked about it, we're still working through it, but getting away from Raven Tools to get to Google Data Studio. Um, so that being one way that we'll save money there. And a really cool thing to, to look about. So if you look at, as two owners, Cody and myself, um, our net profit is 116512 Um How to look at that is that's, that's all expenses paid. That's all cost of goods sold out. That's all wages paid. That's everything. This is what's left for Cody and myself and our, our, our pockets, basically. So Evergrow, uh, after 1,000 days, has replaced our actual day our day job salaries. Um, so we're we both took home about sixty grand. Um, Just shy. Yeah. So well, and we kept some. We we do keep some in the business. Yeah. So in reality, we'll probably take home about forty five grand, um, and then the rest of it's in the business um, in different varying accounts. But we do pull it out at the end of the year in order to help us lessen the tax blow. But we do keep some in the business. Still, it's a dance every year. Yeah, it's, we, it's, we crunch the numbers and we're like, okay, well, we got to pay taxes, Uncle Sam. How much do we need to do that responsibly? How much do we need to keep in, in the business so that everybody gets paid? If things get weird, that nobody's out of a job too soon, and it's a it's a fun talk. Yeah, 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 it is. But um, fortunately, we haven't had a problem like this <laughs> last year. I asked Jeff, like Jeff. Our accountant, he was like, "Hey, this is what you owe in taxes." After he did all of them, and I was like, "Wait, that's it?" <laughs> and it was like, it was like sixty five hundred dollars. And I was, and uh, he goes, "Yeah." He's like, he's like, "You're," he's like, "That's it. You're my kind of client." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, like, I put away forty percent. Everything I every every month, Cody and I pay ourselves uh, at for owner withdrawals of um, basically what's in the net profit account." And um, 
or the profit account, right? No, we. It's weird. <laughs> it is weird, right? Okay, because so pro- we we want we have not yet been able to. We are not big enough to safely make payroll a locked in percentage of gross profit, which is the end goal. But when you do that, you also lose flexibility to move money around. Yeah. Uh, so I know what I was, I was going to say. So it's really harder to do profit for a system if you're not an S corp. Yes. It, it's, it's just hard because you don't have a select salary that you can allocate towards the payroll account. Um, so what we do is we have a specific percentage that we put into the profit account. And every three months, every quarter, we withdraw that um, as our quarterly profit contributions. Um, and it's basically an exercise. Like, we, we are prepping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then whatever is left after the allocations, we assume that's payroll, which is ours. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, Oakway and Uncle Sam, uh, Evergrow has paid each of us $58,000. And, um, I mean, right, right, right. And, and, and running a business like this, especially when I can still have a full-time job, um, that makes a really healthy salary, like, uh, you know, you can do really well for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having your own side gig running this and then, you know, getting to a position where we're ready to really scale in 2024, 2025. I think these would be some like two really big years for us. So. I want to do two more. I know this one's going a little long, but I did want to touch base on uh, talk about more travel and then increased wages and, and contractor labor. So travel's fun. Let's sit on that first. We have traveled more. <laughs> yeah. This this year has been more fun. We've spent more on on travel for business, and it's been exciting. It's only been like two things, really. Well, I mean, three. Yeah, when Lisette came, and then when we went to Lisette. But that's two more times that we've traveled in the past. Yep. We finally let ourselves have a little bit more fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've had money to do it now. Yep. But so about wages and contract labor, I think this is big uh, because of, I think we've talked about this before and said, we are not in the business of, of outsourcing wages and labor for the sake of saving money. Um, some, some companies are like that. They're straightforward about it. That's just not us. Um, and that's not what we're trying to do. We increase wages and labor and a few things happen. One, things got better. <laughs> like big, big surprise, pay people more and then things get easier for you. Um, because you're able to hire good talent. Um, but also we, we talked about this, I think, but we, went from having a full-time employee to two part-timers and other companies will talk about doing that to avoid benefits but at our size i think it's really smart and i would recommend it for lots of companies too and just being honest and straightforward with people that look we do not yet have the stability to do these things without sacrificing flexibility in other parts of the business so when we went from a full-time employee to part-timers that we could pay them more, um, well, one, we got more work out of them. Mm-hmm. Like it was actually more productive because I, I have hot takes. I'll say them. I, I truly don't believe that anybody works continuously, hardcore, 40 hours a week, in, indefinitely. Yeah, not even me. <laughs> it's just, not, it's unrealistic. I, I, for me, I'll say myself, I can do five hours a day, every day, deep focused work. Um, and it's fun and it's rewarding. And so when you have part-timers, 
and they're accomplishing things in shorter sprints, they get more done. Yeah. They just do. Mm-hmm. And you can, well, you and also being able to divide the brain, which I'm sure this is your next point, but like mm-hmm. d- divide the brain power between different tasks and not have them, you know, have the task switch between SEO and Google ads, like just get two people with different brains and have them tackle those one tasks with their 20 hours a week. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, that was, that was a game changer, honestly. Uh, so don't be afraid. Like I think hiring the full timer for our, for us was like a big, like, uh, it was like a big ego swing. You may have a full-time employee or whatever, but um, honestly, the two part-timers is, is, was really the way to go. So previous episode about who to hire first, um, still holds true. You know, hire the first person to replace the busiest person or the most bottleneck person. But then, you know, if you've got a partner or maybe you're doing this all on your own and you have another duty that could be separated with another part-timer, uh, then, then, you know, break that task up. Yep. Cool. Did everything? I think so. I hope, I hope this is helpful. I hope that sharing this sort of stuff is good and useful to people. Um, Dude, I really want to get, like, better podcast equipment for, like, these in-person ones. Yeah. Cody and I are, are set up, like, like at home. But then we, we get, like, in the same room to record a podcast. Like, how you're supposed to. Like, how you've always been supposed to. Yeah, you're watching Joe Rogan where he's got the headset yeah. and there's the table and they're across from each other. And we're just two dudes on pushed-together couches at the moment. In, a, in, in Columbia with Cody wearing my girlfriend's T-shirt, literally. Because yeah. uh, he doesn't own a Hawaiian shirt, I presume. That's um, true. And uh, janky recording studio, but like I really want to get actual recording info so we, or recording equipment. So when we do this next time, is legit. Yep. Uh, so, well, hopefully you guys like this episode. Um, it's it's a little bit uh, unorthodox for us, but uh, we really thought it was cool to be able to share a little bit of this Colombian experience with you um, at the size of company we are, which isn't very big. So if, if you're looking up to us to any extent or looking for advice from us, just know that um, where we're at isn't that far out of reach from where you're at. No. Yep. You can do it. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We'll uh, see you next week. See you.